MSW Media. Hey everybody, it's AG, and welcome to Refried Beans, where we play an episode of the Daily Beans podcast from the same week, either one, two, or three years ago, so we can see how far we've come. So please enjoy this episode from days gone by, and note the date in the intro. Refried beans. I like refried beans. That's why I want to try fried beans, because maybe they're just as good and we're, we're wasting time. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 23rd, 2020. Today, the Michigan State Board of Canvassers meets to certify, or not, the Michigan results after two GOP lawmakers met with Trump Friday at the White House. And the Michigan GOP decided to write a letter asking to delay the certification in favor of an audit of Wayne County. That's a heck of a headline. Pennsylvania is expected to certify Monday after Judge Brand throws out Trump's lawsuit to stop it. Georgia Senate candidate Purdue profited from a Navy contractor's stock while overseeing the naval fleet. Trump has asked for another recount in Georgia. Trump's elite strike force legal team accidentally submits data for Minnesota instead of Michigan because they thought MN was the state abbreviation for Michigan. And the Michigan Attorney General ponders criminal investigations of officials bending to Trump's will on overturning elections. And the PA, the Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey, says Trump should concede. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Okay, so there are so many news stories today. I had to cut some, and I'll have to go over them tomorrow. There is just so much going on because we had such a massive weekend of news. And I I noticed that there's something missing from the intro that I'm going to be talking about later because it's just now happening. It's just now breaking. Sidney Powell, the Kraken, has been fired from Elite Strike Force. (laughs) And and there's all (laughs) sorts of weird things happening. But she was fired by Giuliani, but it's in a Trump-Pence letterhead. It's all bizarre. I'll do my best to cover it, but it is currently breaking as soon as... And, and here's the problem, Dana. First of all, how are you? Did you have a nice weekend? I, I did. I, I'm safely. I'm, I'm coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico, as you listen to this. And I, I got here safely. I drove. Uh, family's been safe. We're still in Mary masks. We're social distancing. And it's been it's been nice to see my family after a year. So everything is good on my end. And I got some puppy kisses today. So that was nice. Oh, well, that's that's worth it. That's worth a drive to Albuquerque. That is a heck of a drive. It was, it, but um, it was, it was, uh, it, it was worth it. That's all I can say. So I'm glad I did it and I stayed safe. You know, as we talked about before, I quarantined and then tested and drove. There was no point in getting on a flight after I quarantined because uh, then it erases everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. So um, I'm glad, and and I love puppy kisses. I love that idea. Um, I have a dog here, but it's not the same as a puppy. You know, so. It's just an absolutely bizarre day of news. I know Mark Elias, this is right now, you know, we record on Sundays. So by the time you hear this, you might know what's going on in the Pennsylvania vote certification. You might already know what's going on in the Michigan vote certification. But every single time news breaks, it changes within 20 minutes. So I'm going to, this is just a snapshot of 4 p.m. Pacific time on a Sunday afternoon, and you're just going to have to deal with the changes that come after it. <laughs> We're doing the best we can. <laughs> uh, so today I'll be speaking with senior investigative journalist, editor of Law and Crime, formerly of uh, Courthouse News, Adam Klasfeld. 
And we're going to talk about the scathing opinion from the PA judge, uh, the Pennsylvania judge, Bran, bench slapped Rudy Giuliani, dismissed the Trump lawsuit. Uh, and since I taped that interview, we have learned that the, tr- the Trump camp has appealed that decision to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. And they're keeping Rudy on as counsel, uh, which is hilarious after you hear what the judge had to say. And uh, what's more interesting about that case, and I'll maybe cover this a little bit later, uh, the only remedy they were asking for in that Pennsylvania lawsuit was that they stopped the certification. And so now they've appealed. Uh, and But since their only remedy is stopping certification, if certification happens, even if they file the appeal before that happens, the whole suit is moot. It's considered moot because the only remedy they want is to stop certification. So they'd have to refile and get some sort of remedy from the Supreme Court or the uh, you know appellate, appellate court. And that has just such a high standard of reopening that it's or relitigating. It's just not uh, going to happen. But I'll be talking with Adam about that. And then, like I said earlier this morning, we learned Sidney Powell, crackpot lawyer for Trump election camp, also, Mike Flynn's lawyer accused Georgia of rigging the election against Doug Collins uh, and said Kemp, the Republican governor, fixed the election. And that's why lot that's the only reason Loeffler is in the runoff. And she suggests that uh, Doug Collins should be in the January 5th runoff instead. And of course, four hours later, the Trump team has released the Kraken, I guess. They fired <laughs> Sidney Powell. Um <laughs> But kind of. Giuliani actually released this statement just moments ago. He said, Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own. She's not part of the Trump legal team. She's also not a lawyer for the president in any personal personal capacity. This is after they had that hour and 45 minute batshit press conference uh, at at the RNC the other day where they introduced her as part of the elite strike force. And now Twitter is going nuts. People are saying... Uh, breaking news, the Kraken holds a press conference to distance self from Sidney Powell. <laughs> like, <laughs> Twitter is on fire over this. There's so many funny people that make me so happy. It is. And Mark Elias is having a field day with it, too. Check out his Twitter feed. Uh, but we have so much news to get to. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So the lead story today, believe it or not, has nothing to do with all the election lawsuits, this is from the New York Times. Senator David Perdue, this is one of the two Republican senators from Georgia facing runoff in January, began making large and ultimately profitable purchases of shares in a Navy contractor in 2018, just before taking over as chair of the Senate subcommittee overseeing the Navy fleet. This disclosure was first reported Wednesday by the Daily Beast, and it comes as both Purdue and Georgia's other senator, Kelly Loeffler, <laughs> Georgia's other senator, how's that feel, Kelly, have been under fire. <laughs> For their stock trades. You know, I tweeted out the other day, break, you know, breaking news, Kelly Loeffler has tested positive for insider trading. Um, Mr. Purdue, a millionaire, formerly prolific trader uh, of individual stocks, announced in May he would divest, but he never did. And as you know, Ossoff is calling him a crook in the debates. And, uh, you know, because he, he did. He was like, you, you're a crook. You sought to profit from the pandemic. And Mr. Purdue since then has twice refused to debate Mr. Ossoff. Quote, Senator Purdue doesn't manage his trades. They're handled by an outside financial advisor with his prior input or approval. That's according to a spokeswoman for Purdue. I mean, come on, A.G., who in the who what millionaire has their stocks invested with someone who I'm sorry, they make decisions without your prior approval. No one's Mm. trading stocks without your approval anyway. Go ahead. 
Yeah. And this is about uh, Purdue's trades in shares of the Navy contractor BWX Tech. That's And I'm familiar with them because they supply nuclear components and fuel for submarines and aircraft carriers. That's expensive shit. Because you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know. It was People always thank me for my service. And I was like, it was in the Navy under Clinton. It wasn't very dangerous. Oh, but uh, in the six it. weeks in the six weeks before the January 2019 announcement that Mr. Purdue was taking over as chair of the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee on Sea Power, he bought $40,000 to $290,000 worth of BWX on dates when prices averaged about $40 a share. The filings give only a vague range for stock transactions, making it impossible to know how many shares are bought and sold. And in June of that year, he announced that he had helped push through additional funding for the Navy in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, including money for an extra submarine and submarines are run on nuclear power and BWX supplies that fuel and parts. And as subcommittee chair, Purdue has been a strong proponent of increasing Navy spending. In this era of great power competition, there is no question our Navy needs to grow larger and become more capable. Um, whatever. He told that, he said that after he sold his BWX shares. While nothing officially prohibits individual stock trades by members of Congress, um, you know, people have long raised questions, according to uh, Kedrick Payne, general counsel for the Campaign Legal Center. That's a nonpartisan watchdog group, so. It's all sketchy as shit. They are making a killing off of their inside knowledge. It's it's infuriating as someone who does have some, not much, but some many invested in the stock market know that they are just taking advantage of everything they can. Yeah, 100%. Ugh, it's infuriating. Uh, we've got more news coming out of Michigan now, which is, this is actually really interesting. Michigan's attorney general is exploring whether officials there risk committing crimes if they bend to President Trump's wishes in seeking to block the certification of Joe Biden's victory in their state, according to two people familiar with the review. So they want to know basically how much they can get away with without breaking a law up there to, um, you know, screw things up in Michigan. The move by Dana uh, Nassel? Nassel? Nassel. Do you know that one? Dana Nessel. Nessel. Thanks, A.G. I figured you'd know. Uh, the move by Dana Nessel, a Democrat, reflected a growing sense of unease among many in her party and, honestly, some Republicans that the president was continuing his unprecedented efforts to reach personally into the state's electoral process as he seeks to prevent Michigan from formally declaring a winner there. So on Wednesday, um, <laughs> this is unbelievable, and Wednesday, two Republican officials in Wayne County sought to rescind their vote to certify the election results in their county, where that's where Detroit is, which, as we know, is a predominantly black community. Um, this is all racist bullshit, but uh, that was um, after Trump called them Tuesday night. So there's this there's this change over there. Now, on Friday afternoon, four leaders in Michigan's Republican-controlled state legislature met with Trump in the White House at his invitation. And they ended up popping all kinds of bottles of like Don Perignon and the Trump Hotel Bar that night, AG. The next day, magically, of course, the RNC and the Michigan Republican Party wrote a letter to the State Board of Canvassers in Michigan asking them to delay certification for two weeks so that they can audit the results of Wayne County. Now, like I said, Wayne County is one of the dust-up uh, from last week. We heard the brilliance of, um, what was it, one of their um, their board one of the one of the board members on the election uh, in Wayne County. Wayne County, um, Trump personally called the canvassers, and then they tried to rescind their certification there. So he's now like, 
he's 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 weaseling like a personal phone call like this is bullshit people are more people are starting to get involved now the attorney general is conferring with election law experts on whether officials may have violated any state laws prohibiting them from engaging in bribery which that is perjury and conspiracy according to people familiar with the deliberations who spoke on the condition of anonymity uh to discuss the sensitive matter i mean of course it's bribery. They, they got a, a, a phone call, joined him in the bar with three, what, $350 bottles of champagne. You know, I, it's, it's just so gross. And, and none of this mm-hmm. is going to make a difference. No, uh, no, it, it, it won't. And again, it's just part of this plot to delay the certification and, and the ascertainment of, of the transition so that the Biden can get the keys and see the crimes. Uh, honestly, I think that that's what it boils down to. Well, and if Donald was a good businessman, he wouldn't be spending $350 on champagne. He would just buy crooks for like four ninety nine or however much it is, which would be totally <laughs> appropriate champagne for this meeting. <laughs> like from uh, Meet the Parents, we yeah. got moms. We're just serving <laughs> crooks. I'm sorry, what'd you call me? You heard me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect for them. And but you know, I I don't believe that a bottle of Dom Perignon goes for 350 at the Trump Hotel bar. I'm sure it's in the $700 range, but Oh, for sure. Um cost. We're right. talking. And who's getting um, I'm sorry, who's getting that money and who's footing the bill? We are, and it's going back into Trump's pocket. Oh. But he divested, I thought, and his adult crotch fruit children took over the <laughs> business. Oh. All right, breaking now. One of the Republican electors in Michigan that you were just mentioning, uh, but you you were talking about the county, the Wayne County uh, Board of Canvassers. One of the Republican electors in Michigan of the state Board of Electors is going to vote against certification and has been planning to. This is according to Representative Paul Mitchell, a Republican from Michigan. He's telling CNN that Norman Schenkel is going to vote against certification. Uh, This is being done uh, to push uh, delay. Even though there is no evidence of fraud or malfeasance, we don't know how the other Republican, Aaron Van Langveld, will vote. Uh, I imagine that Trump only wants one vote, maybe, against certification, so it'll be certified, but they'll have something to point out as evidence of unfairness. I don't know what their plot is, but they plotted it this fucking weekend over champagne. Uh, We should know by the time this episode airs, and we'll discuss it on tomorrow's show, like I said. Sorry about the timing, but it doesn't help Trump's legal standing that in one of their cases in Michigan, they accidentally turned in (laughs) Minnesota data because they don't know state abbreviations. So they're like, look at all of this data. And they were looking at it, these, excuse me, these data. They were looking at them and said, "Um, this is Minnesota, you guys. And so what it appears what happened was (laughs) they thought MN was the abbreviation for Michigan when it's MI. I don't know what they thought MI was was maybe Missouri. Anyway, fucking hilarious. <laughs> now, I have to talk for a minute before I hand this back over to you about what's going on with Sidney Powell, because this is just bananas. So I sort of explained the gist of it earlier. Basically, Sidney Powell went on a news program and over the phone and said that Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of Georgia, conspired with Venezuela and several other Republican officials oh, in the state to rig the election and the Dominion machines uh, for Kelly Loeffler to beat Doug Collins. And so she says, Georgia's the next place I'm going to blow up. I think she means with her Kraken. I'm not sure her legal Kraken. (laughs) Um, But uh, 
I think probably what happened was Loeffler, who is in the runoff January 5th, maybe even Mitch McConnell was like, look, um, you, you can go ahead and destroy democracy, but don't fuck with this runoff. Uh, and called up the White House and said, you got to you got to get rid of Sidney Powell. She's fucking with Brian Kemp. She's fucking with our runoff. Um, we don't actually want to look into any of that stuff or whatever, but you got to get rid of her. And so Rudy Giuliani put out a statement, the one that I read earlier. And now Twitter is going bananas and it's awesome. It's it's fun to watch. And I'm laughing. And of course, people are like, how can you laugh at a time like this? I'm like, look, 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 I'm not laughing at the dismantling of democracy. I'm laughing at Sidney Powell. Um, and the word Kraken. I mean, it's just a yeah. funny word. It, it is. They didn't even use those voting machines down in Georgia, though, did they? That's like part of the conspiracy bullshit. I don't even, I don't know if they used the Dominion counting machines or if they, Dominion software, or I don't, I really don't know, but she, but this is what Sidney Powell was, was on about. Um, when uh, reached for comment, we got nothing back from the Kraken, but um, that's where we're at. So. Well, that's not all the bullshit that's going down in Georgia. So um, as you actually predicted this, A.G., Trump has filed uh, for another recount in Georgia. This will be the third time votes have been counted. The first one was at the election. The second one was a recount. This is another recount. Um, now, what's unfortunate about this, and I had tweeted about this earlier today, is that by Georgia state law, by the Georgia election law, the candidates have the right to ask for a taxpayer-funded recount. If the margin is less than a half percent, which it is now, I mean, they already did a recount. So why, why you ask why, why? Yes, they did. They did a voluntary recount done by the state as courtesy. That's what they do when it's within 0.5 of a percentage point. Well, well, the, the first one, the first one, they didn't have to. Right. Because their, their half a percent margin isn't, we automatically do a recount because we're cool. It was the Republicans being like, all right, all right, we're going to double check this because we're losing Georgia. What the hell? Right. So that, that was a, that was their courtesy. They didn't do it at the request of anyone. Right. Right now, unfortunately, of course, because they're trying to delay, uh, this doesn't actually, that courtesy recount, it doesn't preclude the candidates from asking for another recount because they're entitled to it. But like I said, this is taxpayers of Georgia. They have to pay for another recount in that state, and the results aren't going to change. This isn't going to change anything. Uh, the previous recount was a hand recount of all the ballots, which is going to be the most accurate of anything. Uh, this recount is a machine recount, so unless the Trump campaign has found a way to hack the voting machines that they used, uh, Trump is going to lose Georgia for a third time. Um, I just, it bothers me, and I think they need to make a point that both Republican senators know that Trump lost the state, and they're allowing the hard-earned taxpayer money from Georgia to pay for this bullshit when it could go to COVID relief and so many other things for the state. So I hope people are really paying attention to that. The other thing that this is going to do, it's just a delay tactic uh, to keep the GSA, Emily, gotta love her, from ascertaining Biden as the president-elect and signing off on the transition. They're just using this mm -hmm. as a delay tactic to cause more chaos. I mean, we've seen the reports that you know, but Donald's plan is to basically start as many fires as he can before he leaves the House. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and they're just, I, I think that this could have a really big negative impact on Republicans in their runoff on January 5th. I think a lot of Republicans are going to be sick of this shit. And uh, um, I did find it, by the way, it was what, what Sidney Powell was uh, alleging was that the, the, you know, the top Republicans of Georgia were sleeper agents for the Democrats and their plot with the electronic voting machines to oh turn God. Georgia blue. So she was actually saying that stuff. Um, but that, that was her thing. Um, and they need more time. 
like I said, they're delaying. They need more time to declassify Russia hoax crap and shred their crimes before they right. give the keys to Biden. But remember, we saw this coming. Okay, what Trump is doing now is exactly what Julian Assange told Junior his dad should do if he lost in 2016. Remember leading up to 2016, Trump's like, if I lose, it's rigged. He said he wouldn't concede uh, in the Hillary things. This is all a replay. And and Don Jr. and Julian Assange were texting back and forth. Let me read this to you. This is from Assange to Don Jr. on, on October 21st, 2016. Hi, Don. If your father loses, loses is in quotes. We think it's much more interesting if he does not concede and spends time challenging the media and other types of rigging that occurred. He has implied that he might do that. He is also much more likely to keep his base alive and energized this way. And if he's going to start a new network showing how corrupt the old ones are, this is helpful. The discussion about the rigging can be transformative as it exposes media corruption, primary corruption, PAC corruption, etc. So this was floated to Trump in 2016 as to what to do if he was going to lose. He didn't lose. He actually did, but uh, he didn't lose. Uh, And so he didn't do this plan, right? Until now. Yeah, but there are cracks, including Chris Christie um, and, you know, Republican Senator Pat Toomey. Those are two big ones today. I wrote a whole big thread about it last night. We have we have a surprise celebrity guest reading that poem for you tomorrow. Um, because it, it's just you'll you'll see what I mean. Uh, hopefully, if my if my surprise celebrity guest is free and we can get it tomorrow, if not the next day. But it is my it is my Christmas card to everyone. <laughs> and yes, I said Christmas. Um, it's actually no, you know what? It's season's greetings. We'll go with that. But anyway, we'll All be right back. All holidays matter. They do. Oh, they do. <laughs> They do, and I'm fine with that. I celebrate Christmas. I'm not even Christian, uh, but you know, hey, whatever your jam is. Um, but it it's not it's not a holy holiday based greeting card. So you'll see you'll see what I mean. Anyway, we'll be right back with Adam Classwell. We're going to discuss the humiliating bench slap Judge Brand handed to Trump and Giuliani over the weekend. Something important to note: like I said, Trump has appealed that decision since Adam and I talked minutes ago uh but the only remedy that the trump team was asking for was to stop certification so if pa certifies tomorrow which is today which is monday then the appeal becomes moot so time travel and fun stay with us after these messages we'll be right back all right everybody welcome back uh as expected we got a ruling from judge bran in the lawsuit argued by rudy giuliani in federal court last week i know there are a million lawsuits and it's hard to keep up with uh all of them And helping us sort it all out and go over Judge Brand's ruling is the senior investigative reporter and editor of Law and Crime, formerly of Courthouse News, Adam Klasfeld. Adam, welcome. Thank you for having me. So Adam is the Twitter account. You're the Twitter account I follow for all live coverage of the cases that are of most interest to us here at Daily Beans. So let's talk about this PA case, this Pennsylvania case heard by Judge Brand and his incredible opinion that dropped on Saturday. Uh, First of all, the introduction itself is just golden. It absolutely is. I mean, it's a total evisceration. And what he gets to the heart of immediately is just how sweeping, how broad, and in the words of a different judge in, who had a similar case in Nevada, shocking, uh, the request was. They wanted to overturn a lawful election. And he basically tells them, if you wanted to disenfranchise effectively 7 million voters, you have to show up to court with solid evidence, solid law. And he (laughs) said definitively, that has not happened. Uh, Everything was said 
bluntly in that uh, in that introduction. But he goes on, and after that introduction, uh, totally eviscerates <laughs> the premise of what became Rudy Giuliani's argument. We have to remember, when he got this case, uh, this was a case that had variations of the phrase voter fraud some 33 times and didn't have any evidence of voter fraud. The only uh, suspected incidents, which some of which were debunked, happened in red counties that weren't being sued. But I digress. It, the, there was very heavy on the talking point of voter fraud if there were no allegations and evidence. That said, shortly after, the lawyers who filed that complaint, Porter Wright, major white shoe law firm, backs out. And a new team comes in, they file an amended complaint. And poof, those 33 references to voter fraud have vanished and we're left with a different case. And this is a case that Judge Brand decided yesterday. Now, this different case made the argument that because certain counties in Pennsylvania allowed mail-in voters to cure defective ballots, and to explain what that means, say someone mailed in a ballot and they forgot the secrecy envelope. Some counties gave voters the option, hey, you forgot something, you made a technical error. Um, if you don't cure this, your vote doesn't count. Giuliani's argument was because certain counties allow that, right. call off the election. Don't certified vote. Uh, other counties didn't extend that courtesy, didn't expand ballot access. So cancel the vote. Oh, and but by the way, only for the presidential election, <laughs> the down ballot elections who are on the same ballot, you can still call those legitimate because we like those. But but so we, sorry to interrupt. So but basically this this boils down to two voters from Republican counties whose votes didn't count and they weren't offered the option to cure their ballots. And I, I believe Bran went over the fact that Kathy Bukvar, who's being sued by the plaintiffs in this case, sent an email out saying, hey, let me know if you want to be able to cure your ballots. A bunch of counties got back to her and said, we would like to. And it was the Democrat, the Democratic counties, because they like more people to vote. And so what it appears to me is that this is a case of Republicans in Republican counties deciding to make it harder to vote and having it backfire on them and then suing Kathy Bukvar for it. So there's like nine different problems with their standing in this case at all. Absolutely. And that's what the judge found. And on top of that, not only are they saying that it's somehow improper, they're saying that it's an equal protection violation, that it's a violation of the U.S. Constitution to expand voter access, to make voting easier. The only, it's such a serious, in their view, uh, equal protection violation that you've got to call the election off. That's the evidence that they brought to that's the argument that they brought to the court. Yeah. And I think that I think that Judge Brand, he says here, he says, quote, plaintiffs only remaining claim alleges violation of equal protection. This claim, like Frankenstein's monster, has been haphazardly stitched together from two distinct theories in an attempt to avoid controlling precedent. So he, he goes on saying the plaintiffs are trying to mix and match claims to bypass contrary precedent. And that's not lost on the court. The court will thus analyze the plaintiff's claims as if they had been raised properly 
and asserted as one whole for purpose of standing on the and the merits. And so they actually were like, you're you're filing and you, your complaints are so s- stupid and wrong. We'll fix it for you and argue a better case on your behalf. And then I will shoot that down as well. <laughs> Precisely. That That is an <laughs> accurate summary of what he wrote. And of course, the uh, irresistible turn of phrase, Frankenstein's monster, um, and getting Mary Shelley right in that, uh, because it is, it is <laughs> right. Dr. Frankenstein's monster. Uh, so you have to applaud the judge for his erudition there. Uh, but he, in the interest of fairness, does uh, Rudy Giuliani at all the favor of correcting uh, their argument to something even remotely sensible. But even even at then, it's not a, a justifiable legal argument he found. But even to get to the point where he can address it, he, he has to, you know, turn it into something that has logical coherence or yeah. something similar to it. <laughs> Here would have been a better claim. I'm going to it's still wrong, but at least this would have made legal sense. And, and I guess the two things, the first being. Uh, a, a complaint on behalf of the individual plaintiffs whose ballots were canceled, and the second, on behalf of the Trump campaign itself, and and how they raised the broad Bush v. Gore arguments that the, the plaintiffs allege is the main focus of the lawsuit, and he shot he ripped that apart too. Absolutely, and this, uh, uh, of course, uh, we need to go back during the oral arguments. Uh, you had uh, Trump's lawyer, Jenna Ellis, thinking that Rudy Giuliani had done such a great job because the judge ended his oral arguments with small talks, small talk talking about uh, restaurant recommendations. So mm-hmm. uh, Jenna Ellis on Twitter had uh, saw that as surefire evidence that the judge uh, and Rudy Giuliani had established a great rapport, a good sign of the case in her view. And then this evisceration landed, and all of a sudden, he's an Obama judge. <laughs> in the view of Rudy Giuliani, and in the view of Jenna Ellis, who thought just days earlier, wow, Giuliani and Judge Brand have this great rapport. They're, they're bosom buddies now, uh, apparently. And uh, all of a sudden, nope, he's an Obama judge. Well, of course, that's nonsense. He was nominated by former President Barack Obama. Uh, but as many people have noted, he is a longtime Republican, uh, served on county committees in uh, for the Republican Party in Pennsylvania. Uh, he is a member of the Federalist Society. Uh, he has airtight bipartisan bona fides. And uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Senator Pat Toomey recommended and 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 advocated for him in 2012 when Obama nominated him and it, it, it as we know it was recently Senator Pat Toomey Republican senator from Pennsylvania who said enough with this stuff let's get on with the transition I think th- I think so far at least he's the mo- not necessarily the biggest name to crack as as a, a Republican in, in moving on with transition and the election results but uh, definitely uh, impactful because he is the Republican senator from Pennsylvania Precisely. And he issued that statement in response to this ruling. Uh, He praised Judge Brand's fairness and impartiality. And he basically said that Trump has hit a dead end and that he declared President-elect 
Joe Biden, the winner, a, a little late to that announcement, but one of the earliest in the Republican Party and the Republican Senate, to be sure. Uh, but he had, he said that in response to this blistering ruling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Adam, I have to take a quick break, but I have a couple more questions for you, specifically regarding the idea under equal protection. Had the Frankenstein's monster been stitched together properly? Uh, and and Judge Brand talking about leveling up and leveling down as a, as a remedy. And I want to ask you about that. Will you stick around after this break? Absolutely. Great. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. We are talking to the senior investigative reporter and editor for Law and Crime, Adam Klasfeld, about the Judge Brand decision in Pennsylvania. That's the one that Rudy Giuliani uh, argued, I guess, in per, in quotes uh, last week. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you, we had we had gotten to the point where they went through the background of the case, how, how many different lawyers had quit and then come on and then quit again. And then Kearns tried to quit. And he was like, no, we have to have at least one a lawyer from the, from the plaintiff's side that knows what's going on. They all wanted to walk. And then, of course, Giuliani comes in, argues this in, insanity. Uh, Brand tries to give him a better argument and, and is now shooting it down. And he, we, the, the final claim is equal protection, that these two voters didn't get to vote because they didn't get their ballots cured. And then the Bush v. Gore insanity, which we'll talk about in a second. But the, the, the one of the things that you have to meet in order for equal protection to be a thing is a remedy, right? Uh, you have to have a reasonable remedy. And the remedy here was because these two people didn't get to vote and the counties had different rules, we would throw out 7 million votes. And he talks about leveling up and leveling down. Leveling up is that the aggrieved parties get the right that they are complaining they didn't get. And leveling down is to take the right away from everyone else so everyone matches the aggrieved party. And in general, Judge Brand says, we like to level up. You know, we like to, you know, the the, the proper thing to do here would have been to sue the Republican counties that didn't allow ballot curing and allow these two voters' votes to count. Instead, of, instead, they're going with the leveling down, which is to scrap everyone's vote. Can you talk about the unconstitutionality of that for a second? Well, that was something that was soundly rejected by Judge Brown again. That You described it perfectly. He called it a difference between leveling up and leveling down. Um, I will mention during oral arguments the attorney for Pennsylvania counties addressed this idea as well. And I think a very striking turn of phrase that he used, he called it a race to the bottom. That's what this would have been. This is what they are asking for, that they are saying that it is unconstitutional to expand ballot access by allowing mail-in voters an opportunity to cure a mistake. You know, you filled out the security envelope wrong, you forgot the security envelope, um, has nothing to do with how you voted. It's if you, there is some sort of defect, give you the opportunity to cure. Some counties allow it, some don't. Uh, the argument was that it, anything other than letting no counties expand ballot access in this way would have been unconstitutional to the extent that it deserves an essential invalidation of a free and fair election and the effective disenfranchisement of nearly 7 million people, uh, no matter whether this, whether they have any evidence whatsoever that this 
varying policy in separate counties had any effect on the utter landslide that we saw in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Well, that's 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 just it, right? I mean, if, you know, first of all, you, sure, you could sue the counties that didn't allow ballot curing. I would be all for that. I think everyone should have to a chance to cure their ballots. But these are the Republicans. They don't want they don't want more people's votes to count. So, uh, and of course, that's speculation on my part. I don't know what's in their hearts, but I'm just guessing. Um, now, the other thing you could do instead of just throw everyone's vote vote out is perhaps sue to let. The cured ballots in the other counties where they do allow ballot curing to not count, right? But that wouldn't be enough to throw the election to Trump. No, no, uh, absolutely not. And and that there wasn't even any sort of evidence of that at the third third iteration of a complaint that the Trump team wanted to file. They wanted the ability to do their own calculations on this. And they that they'll run the numbers. And if their numbers come in the way that they like, they will ask the judge to declare Trump the winner. They actually wanted that. um, That was their argument. Let us count it. And then uh, judge flip the vote on our favor if our numbers come out in the way that we like. And that never the judge never had to hear that because they're rapidly changing uh, complaints. You know, they got two bites of the apple. The judge found there was no need for a third bite of the apple, particularly when the first pleading doesn't look anything like the second pleading. And the third pleading adds new levels of absurdity. There was the third iteration of the complaint uh, also claimed that the second iteration of the plaint, this is a direct quote, inadvertently, quote unquote, uh, deleted broad swaths of the first complaint. Um, and you just, you look at the red line and, you know, this isn't an errant cursor. There were broad swaths of removed paragraphs on different pages of the complaint. Uh, but, but you know, they wrote it was inadvertent. They accidentally got rid of all that stuff and turned their all-encompassing voter fraud theory into, an, uh, in the words of the judge, Frankenstein's monster equal protection claim. Well, and then they went at, they went back and said, oh, we want to amend it. Yeah, right. Like third bite of the apple, we want to amend it again. And that was their uh, leave to amend again, which was also denied in this ruling. Um, and I also really like on page 35 towards the end how the judge brought up other lawsuits they could have brought that would have made more sense, including plaintiffs are not challenging any court action as a violation of equal protection, like the Third Circuit stuff that was going on. They do not allege that um, Brookvar's guidance differed from county to county. That's not even in their complaint uh, about equal protection. Or that Secretary Brookvar told some counties to cure ballots and others not to. They 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 could have some evidence showing that. I mean, it would still not matter, he, he ends up saying, because counties have the right to have their own rules. But it, it just seems like over and over again, he keeps throwing to the Trump campaign, Rudy Giuliani. Here's like 96 other things you could have probably brought to court and not sounded like a complete idiot. Right. And he pressed uh, Rudy Giuliani personally, uh, and I believe the Trump legal team more generally. He said at one point, 
why is Secretary Brookmar here? Um, they, they didn't allege anything that it seems that she had any bearing on as Secretary of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, what, what role does she have in the fact that different counties have different policies regarding ballot access? Um, there were widely ridiculed moments during that oral argument where Judge Brand was pressing Giuliani on whether strict scrutiny applies. And oh, that Rudy was Giuliani so funny. Applies, <laughs> the, uh, no, the normal scrutiny. Well, normal scrutiny isn't a standard, of course. There's strict scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, or rational basis review. Well, at first, at first he asked, at first he asked, which case, Judge, the 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 one to dismiss? <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because that night I actually uh, was speaking to uh, someone else uh, in the UK who referred to that as a kind of answer out of the Adam Sandler movie. That if Adam Sandler were trying to answer the question of uh, what kind of standard of review should it do strict scrutiny, the normal one, that that's more of a comedic answer. So that's one view from abroad. Um, the fact that the Trump campaign just wasn't prepared to answer those basic questions uh, about the case. And Judge Brand did go into the standards of review uh, in the ruling. That was something that they were utterly unprepared for. Uh, and it's the, I don't think that anyone would have predicted anything other than a decisive dismissal of the case, who was watching the oral arguments, who was watching closely at the claims that the Trump campaign was uh, pleading in court. But mm. the way the kind of careful, uh, the careful evisceration is the only word mm. of each and every argument brought forth to the court, however evolving uh, that it was, uh, I'm, I always tell folks on Twitter, always read the footnotes. And there was a very salient one where, again, as I mentioned earlier, he addressed the Trump campaign's argument that because of this massive uh, problem in Pennsylvania election systems, which, is, which amounts to an equal protection violation, you should invalidate the presidential election, but only the presidential election. And he says in a footnote uh, in that, curiously, plaintiffs now claim that they will seek to only enjoy certification of the presidential election results. They suggest that the requested relief would thus not interfere with other election results in the state. But even if it were logically possible to hold <laughs> Pennsylvania's electoral system both constitutional and unconstitutional at the same time, the court would not do so. Uh, so this is a very careful decision. This is a very stinging decision. And I, the Rudy Giuliani team, the Trump campaign has expressed that they are going to appeal. I haven't seen evidence of an appeal yet. Uh, there, as of this morning, maybe it happened as we're speaking. Uh, but if they do, I don't think any serious observer of what's going on thinks any of those appeals have legs. 
So you can appeal because this was my final question for you because they dismissed uh, he he dismissed this uh, in his conclusion motion to dismiss the first amended complaint are granted with prejudice. So can you if if they're allowed to appeal, what is the with prejudice for? It just means can't bring it again in this court. Um, can't bring it again before him. Uh, so that's that's the end of uh, the case before. Judge Brand and in the Middle District of Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, there are people, if they were to appeal this, it would have landed in the Third Circuit. And a lot of people who cover the courts, including me, including I saw Brad Heath was looking for a copy of whatever notice of appeal and, and Ken White uh, were looking for evidence that they're actually doing these things that they say that they're going to do. Um, and as of yet, uh, that hasn't happened. And it's usually a pretty quick process. If, it's particularly if you're expecting you may lose a very high profile case, you wanna be prepared to fill out a form pretty quickly and have some papers ready. Um, so we'll see if uh, the, the Trump team has said many things uh, in, in front of cameras that, or in press statements that, wind up not happening, like saying they're alleging fraud. Rudy Giuliani at one point said to the judge, this is not a fraud case. And another Trump campaign lawyer in Arizona used that exact same procession of words, this is not a fraud case. So what they say they're going to do, what they say they're going to allege, doesn't always wind up happening. We'll see if there is an appeal, um, but I don't know of any serious legal observer who thinks that the result of any appeal will be any different than what happened on Saturday night? Yeah, and Judge Brand sort of preempted that. I think didn't he? Didn't he mention a, a, a something that had already gone into the Third Circuit that was like this that was shut down? Right. I mean, it, he noted that uh, the Third Circuit has considered these issues before, and you know, you can the, the Trump campaign. Uh, constantly says, we're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. Well, that presupposes that the Supreme Court will grant your petition for cert. Um, so there's a, the question of whether you will file your appeal, whether your appeal will be heard, uh, This is, and whether you have any controversy that uh, will have any traction whatsoever in an appellate court. These are all different questions. Well, I highly recommend if you're feeling blue, if you're feeling down, uh, if you need a little pick-me-up, read this opinion. It is, uh, it's, it's easy to understand. It's well-written. Uh, it's got a nice flow to it. Uh, you'll, you'll especially crack up when, he, when the judge goes through the history of how they got there in two short weeks and all of the lawyers who quit and <laughs> tried to leave <laughs> the, the plaintiff's side. It's, it's really, really absolutely a feel-good story if you're, if you're into court documents, which, which you know, you and I are, Adam. Uh, everyone, please check out Adam Klasfeld if you, if you want to know what's going on uh, in any of these cases or, or follow uh, live tweeting of, of the courtroom. Adam Klasfeld's Twitter is the best for that. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on today. Um, you're the senior investigative reporter and editor of Law and Crime. Congratulations on that new position, by the way, formerly of Courthouse News. Adam Klasfeld, I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Have a great day.
Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. All right, everybody, welcome back. Time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Okay, so there's just so much news today. I can't tell what's good and what's not. There was stuff we laughed at, but it's also destroying democracy. But this is actual (laughs) good news. Yeah, sometimes we just laugh at a discomfort. Yeah, you, you laugh or you cry, right? It's that awkward laugh. <laughs> We're all going to die. Keep going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and you grab your collar with your finger. <laughs> that, old, that old gag. Okay. So if you have good news to submit, personal, political, just want to send us your pod pic photos or your children, whatever it is, we love to see them. Do it. You can do that or submit confessions or corrections at dailybeanspod.com. Click contact. First up from CJ, she, they pronouns, cinnamon mom, she, her. Okay, so maybe this is two folks. Uh, hi, folks. This is the mother of, of awesome, a 12-year-old girl Matt wrote in a few weeks ago or in about a few episodes ago. She actually goes by CJ, and she was stoked to hear herself mentioned on the podcast. Here's her message. Oh, this is awesome. Hello, this is CJ writing now. I just want to say I've always stood for my beliefs in any situation. I'm definitely one to have political conversations. I've always been interested in why people think the way they do. I was ecstatic to hear my story on the podcast, and me and my friends still disagree to this day. (laughs) Mom here again. I'm attaching pics of CJ and of our thoroughly junkyard dog, COVID puppy, Baba. Uh, One when she was tiny, and one recently when she's having fun roughhousing. (gasps) Oh my goodness. Oh, look at the baby. Look at the puppy. I knew look at the puppy picture. Look at the baby. Now, I didn't see any picture of CJ. No, we don't see a picture of CJ, so. I must have forgot to attach it either at the source or in my in my uh, giant staff center uh, call, uh, that I'll have to contact. <laughs> Could be any of them. Thank you. Those... What cute, what cute photos. Um... <laughs> Thank you, CJ. Oh. Thank you, Cinnamon. Mom, she, her. CJ, she, they. And then, of course, Matt. What yes. a wonderful, what a wonderful thing. And CJ, this is so great. I appreciate you. I'm glad that you stand up for your beliefs in any situation. I'm glad that you keep an open mind um, and that you have political conversations. That's incredible and wonderful. I appreciate you for that. That is hero status. The future looks bright. Bright blue, hopefully. Um, More good news. This was coming from Tom, pronouns he and him. I'm still alive. I have been a pretty loyal listener until the California fires forced our evacuation and the near loss of our Boulder Creek home. So I was still in the process of catching up on Friday, November 13th. That was when my brain decided it was time (laughs) to fart out on me like it had done six years ago. On April 2014, was just another day at work, and I lost um, a lot of people saw saw me have grand mal or tonic seizure safely in front of them. I thought it would be a one-time thing, but on Friday the 13th of this month, I was by myself headed for an appointment with a notary. Apparently I hit a bridge, um, abutment. I guess that would be a bridge abutment, um, Mm -hmm. going, going very fast. Oh my God. Both my feet, Jesus, both my feet and ankles broke. My tibia ball joints broke through their hip sockets. Of course, my sternum was fractured by the bag and I hit my tongue. I bit my tongue real good. Oh my God. After a week of excellent medical care, 
In San Jose, I'm able to start to care uh, what is happening in the rest of the world. The staff at the nurses and doctors have been great getting me back together because of COVID. None of my family has been able to visit me. Uh, they, I know they could just warehouse me to the surgery, uh, but they care for me in between surgeries and procedures. Sorry, no recent pick of Stella, the toothless five pound Yorkie for a pod pet pick. Uh, my wife assures me I am missed this photo. Uh, my God, Tom one, I'm glad you're alive and you still look so joyful. I don't know if it's pain meds or not, but your face still looks quite happy considering the, the state of this photo. Oh my God. I am so glad you're still with us, Tom. <clears throat> you hit those abutments going fast and I've been in that accident. I've been in that accident. And it's no bueno. I was in the hospital for a long time. I lost three pints of blood. Jesus. It's it's a big deal and that's a lot of trauma to your nervous system and to everything else. And and now you add on top of it that it's COVID and you, your family can't visit you. I'm so glad you're okay, Tom. I'm so glad you're okay and you're in good spirits. Thank you for this. Thank you for sending this in. And everybody send positive vibes, prayers, thoughts, love, whatever you do. Yes, please, please. Send Tom's way. All right, next up, we have something from Lisa, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans team. I've been a listener since the kitchen days. You have been the voice of reason with amazing comedy and swears during these trying times. I have some good news. I used to be a physical therapist for quite some time. And when I was 40 years old, I decided to go to veterinary school. I made it through vet school and passed my general veterinary boards and then had decided to do an internship, which is a year long. It didn't end there. I decided to do a residency in anesthesia, which is three years long. This journey has been the most challenging journey of my life. It tested my relationships, one failed, my sanity, my worth, and basically every part of me. Just like in human medicine, we take board exams to become board certified in our specialty when our residencies are over. Well, I just found out I passed my board certification, and I am a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia. Analgesia? Analgesia? Analgesia. I worked in hospitals for 12 years. What the fuck do I know? Uh, it has been a long, hard road, but even as a non-traditional student, dreams can come true. I have an amazing wife and family, and now I am board certified. I have included my pod pets, Charles Darwin <laughs> and Ruth Beagle Ginsburg. Oh, my goodness. Stop it right now. <laughs> and AG, you should go to law school. You'd be an amazing attorney. Oh, okay. We <laughs> The Beagle. No, stop it. Look at the Beagle, AG. Oh, oh, hey. Hey. Look at RBG. Oh my god. <laughs> that dog is flirting with me. I know. Oh my god. I can't wait to share this with everybody. That's so great. Lisa, congratulations. Yes, that's wonderful. That is so wonderful. And that's a long ass time to go to school. I'm so proud of you. It just it just goes to show you it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what age you want to reinvent yourself, you do it. I love that you have the support at home too. Uh, we've got more good news. This comes from E, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans Queens. First, thank you so much for helping me get through the first harrowing night of the election with your constant reminding that it might look like uh, Trump was winning at first. I would have had a bad night if I hadn't kept that in the back of my mind. Quick correction for you. I waited a couple of days to send this, and maybe people actually have written in about it, but there was a word used to refer to uh, Roma oh, Romani? Mm -hmm. Romani people that mm -hmm. starts with a G and rhymes with tipsy uh, and is considered a racial slur, at least in North America for sure. Although I know it's still thrown around in certain Hollywood movies and by the kinds of people who wear culturally significant uh, garments as costumes. 
that's the correction there. Totally understand that this was uh, intended in total solidarity, though. Keep all the humor and wonderful reporting up. Sending the best of vibes. Thank hmm. you. I'm never one to use the G word, so I don't understand. I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to remember when we even said it. Eve, remind me of when that happened, because I, you know, and uh, I, I generally don't do that. That's interesting. Huh. Huh. Now I'm curious. Maybe I can. I wonder if huh. I said. Anyway. I wonder if I said. The only thing I can think is if I we were talking about Jesus. I think that was it. That must have been. Yeah. It. My apologies. Thank you for the correction. If it was me, I very much appreciate it. So. Thank you. Oh, anyway, yes, thank you, Eve. We really appreciate y'all pointing these things out to us. Um, I know that I've been ta- I've been talking to so many good friends of mine where I'm like, hey, I'm old. If I slip up, just let me know. I will change it. So thank you, and that's why I want you to send these these things into for sure. Into us. And you, you know what, uh, Dana, go ahead and read the next one too because it's kind of short also. All right, AG, this one's from Art, pronouns he and him. My girlfriend said we don't have to spend Thanksgiving with her family. Yay! However, (laughs) we do have to spend some time on the porch with them the day before. This will be excruciating. Her dad is one of those Q-adjacent supporters who believes Trump is somehow doing God's work. I don't know how I'll react when he starts to go into some Sydney. (laughs) Well, that was good timing. Some Sidney Powell, a few conspiracy garbage. Um, But I'm sure we'll both be thankful I won't have a turkey leg in my hand. Here's Butternut Sack. Art. Oh, my God. Butternut Sack. Can we talk about the fact that the cat's name is Butternut Sack? Here's Butternut Sack. She's a chunky calico. (laughs) Butternut Sack. Art, you've got the best shit now. You've got the whole Sidney Powell being fired. Um you've got you've got them you've got the ultimate talking point even she was too bizarre i know for trump's legal team this cat butternut sack oh my god all right next up and finally from andy in tring hartfordshire i think that's how you would say it pronouns he and him greetings from bumbling boris's blight deep sigh he's such an incompetent self-serving bell end ring any bells for you yes <laughs> i've been listening to your shows pretty much from the get-go i've much admired your boundless tenacity durability and general good humor and the swearing of course it's great and decidedly cathartic for us that you all routinely employ some delicious anglo-saxon profanities as it happens i'm writing to you with a language related correction suggestion something that's been bugging me for a long time now and even more so during the recent election coverage when there's a, p- a particular word that seems to crop up the often the offending expression is swath or suave my admittedly petty bugbear is the pronunciation you americans bless you pronounce it as in moth when in the original anglo-saxon it's completely different over here we pronounce it as in bathe swathe oh, oh like swathe Ooh, i like that even better swathe a large swathe try it and we did the trick is to smirk smugly mm, it's a large swathe of voters that you could turn to at your leisure um the american interpretation sounds dry and requires some complex tongue-related gymnastics swath whereas the original not only sounds nicer but it's way easier to say swathe I also suggest sweeping your arm in a wide arc, as you say, swathe for extra emphasis. It's very, it's a very theatrical word. I actually did on my end. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I did too. Vast <laughs> swathes of America voted H. Dort out of office. Yes. Uh, far be it from a humble Englishman to be telling Americans what's what. But I'm a copywriter by profession, and I think the language we use is so important. And just think, swathe. 
think swathe as in moth interpretation is such an ugly thing and you might rather enjoy the beauty and magnificence of original execution. I'm also hoping to coattail your charm and influence such that we can make this specific verbal re-education a thing in America. I'd also like to add that it isn't nice for me to be getting my knickers in a twist, quote-unquote, about something quite so trivial, but I like to think of it as the Biden effect, a return to some degree of normalcy where we can really enjoy playful discourse once again without worrying too much about the odious and unwelcome orange elephant in the room. He will be gone soon. Well done, team. Well done, America. You did the right thing. Keep up the good work. You remember that old English saying, every tide must have an ebb. Oh, swathe. Okay, I'm going like to I'm gonna try to make fetch happen here in the United States. Do we'll it. start seeing s- large swathes of voters. Um, it, it, let me know, Andy, in Tring, Hertfordshire, if I'm saying swathe properly, because we also um, could say swathe. But then you'd have to say bathe, and I think it's bathe. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's definitely bathe, right? <laughs> or could it be bath? It could be bath, but then I think. But then it's it would be swath like moth. instead of bathe. Swave. I like it. You know, if the worst thing we do today is argue about the pronunciation of bathe and bath, then I think that mm-hmm. today's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's exactly right. We're getting back to the tan suit times. You know. Yeah. How dare you, Obama? How dare you? <laughs> We long for the we long for the tan suit, um, scandals for sure. Uh, all right, those are the good news stories and corrections. Thank you very much, everyone, for sending them in, um, and thank you for the notes, CJ and 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 Matt and and Cinnamon Mom. Appreciate that. And the beagle, the sexy beagle, is killing me. Oh my God, sexy beagle! I, that is an, I can't. <laughs> RBG. I'm looking at it right now. Hey. Oh. <laughs> That is a picture for Tinder. It really is. Uh, all right. Anyway, and what lucky dogs, by the way, to have a newly minted veterinary um, veterinarian as their dog mom. That's incredible. And not just that, but anesthesia and analgesia. Super certified. So, all right. Anyway, again, you have more uh, more good news and all that other stuff. Send it in, dailybeanspod.com. Any, anything before we get out of here, Dana? Yeah, just a quick uh, happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays to everyone. I'm going to miss you this week. I'm going to be in a car, so AG's going to make sure that I'm covered for the next couple of days. But uh, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy your immediate family. Don't touch each other, and have a nice Thanksgiving. I love you Don't all very much. Don't touch <laughs> each other. We love you, too. And yes, as a matter of fact, Mandy Reedy is going to be joining us um, for Tuesday and Wednesday's beans. So that's going to be fun. We'll have her back on the show. We've missed her very much. Uh, although I speak to her all the time because you know, <laughs> she's my best friend of 25 years wife, but here we go. We're going to have Mandy Reedy back. So we're looking forward to that. That's another good news thing I can drop. And until then, everybody take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG and I've been DG and them's the beans. Refried beans. I like refried beans. beans.